You know, one of the words, if you know the Beatitudes, blessed, blessed are the poor in spirit, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That word uh, blessed is uh, the Greek word makarios, which means highly favored, fortunate, blessed of God. Um, But where it talks about blessings in the epistles, it is the Greek word eulogio. Just a little quick, quick Greek study. Anytime in the Greek starts with you, E-U, you. It means, it's, it's like saying well, good. So it's a preface. It means, uh, and then logio, the root word in logio is logos, word. So eulogio is good word or well word. So what is the best blessing you can give to a person? is a good word. Fortunately, we usually reserve our word, our eulogios, for after a person has died. We call them eulogy. Eulogio. We say nice things about them. But uh, God says nice things about us now. Amen? Amen. Okay, be ready to put up uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. And I'm doing two or three verses. Three verses. 2 Corinthians, go ahead, put it up there. 2 Corinthians, it says, Though we walk in the flesh. That's just a King James way of saying, Though we live in this world. That's what it means. There's a lot of translations say it that way. Though we live in this body, flesh. Flesh can be sinful flesh of the body, referring to a connection there. But in this particular case, it's talking about though we live in this world. Okay? Though we live in this flesh, though we walk in this flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Now, what that simply means is, we have, we're, first of all, how many of you know we're in a war? That's right. We're in a war. And this war is not of this world. It's in the world, but it's not of the world. We are in the world, but we're not of the world. And so, we've got to understand, it's like it says... Um, in Ephesians, the, the uh, sixth chapter, it talks about the weapons of our warfare. And it says, you know, uh, having all done to stand, we stand. But it says the weapons of our warfare in Ephesians four, uh, 6, it says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Another word for carnal? Fleshly. Flesh. It's not carnal. It's not of this world. So anyway, this one goes on to say, next verse, verse four, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Same thing in Ephesians four, but mighty 
through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Strongholds are like another thing is a strong tower. You know, a strong tower is pretty, pretty hefty uh, defense. Uh, they made strong towers. And if you remember, there was a very, very evil king. It's, uh, everybody, when you, if, you, if, you take, if you do Bible trivia and they say, who was the first king? Who was the first king? Saul. Saul. Uh, if, you, if you play Bible trivia, better say Saul. That's the answer. Okay? That's not the true, the right answer, though. Because the first king of Israel was not Saul. He was the first king that God said is going to be king. Saul was. But the first king was Abimelech. Abimelech was one of the sons of Gideon. And Abimelech was an, he, he, he made himself king. He was an evil king. But you know how he was taken down? By a woman in a tower. She managed to roll over this uh, millstone. <laughs> he was basically telling everybody in the tower, you better open these doors or you're dead meat. <laughs> and the millstone fell on his head <laughs> as she pushed it over. Strong towers. Well, same, same thing with the enemy. enemy has strong towers in us. By the way, you know what Abimelech said with his dying breath as uh, an act of total contrition and humility before God? Yeah, Rodney got it. He tells his armor bearer there, stab me really quick through with your sword because I don't want it said in history that a woman killed me. Real humble guy. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but the mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. What are these strongholds? Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Now, we're not going to go on any after this. So just leave this one up. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So where is this war wa- waging? Huh? Our minds. <clears throat> Last week we talked about how um, something about these same nature, but we were talking about how um, well, the verse of scripture that I was using, rejoice not at the fall of your enemies. <clears throat> I like, uh, well, yeah, I don't think it. Anyways, that's uh, Proverbs twenty four sixteen, I believe. Rejoice not at the fall of your enemies. 24, 17, actually. 24.16 is a righteous man falls seven times in a day. Did you hear that? If you're not falling seven times in a day, you're not a righteous man. 
And then he says, and, but he gets back up. <laughs> so the idea is not, it's not how many times you fall. If, if, uh, <clears throat> if the psalmist was in the spirit, and he was in the spirit of Christ, in the Holy Spirit, if he was to say, somebody said, seven, uh, a righteous man falls seven times in a day. He was to know seven times 70. <laughs> it's, it's, doesn't, it's not limited to a number. It just means he keeps getting right back up. You know, one of the scenes in one of John Wayne's movie, I, I really love this scene. It was uh, called the train robbery or something like that, if you're a John Wayne fan. Train robbers. Train, <laughs> there we found out who the John Wayne fans were. <laughs> train robbers. But they were trying to find this train that had kind of like been buried in the desert <laughs> and uh, had, a, of course, a lot of gold on it. There were quite a few of them, but they were also being chased by another guy. There were even more. And so the, the other guys that were bad guys had them surrounded. So he had guards set out around the perimeter. And one of them was Bobby Vinton. Bobby Vinton was a very famous singer in the 60s. And he had a lot of huge number one hits. Like, roses are red, my love. Violets are blue. Sugar is sweet, my love. But not as sweet as you. <coughs> Blue on blue. Anyway, but he was, he, he was in a couple of movies. And so he's at the perimeter and John Wayne comes walking around, you know. I, I can do a John Wayne walk. You want to see, John, most of you don't even know who John Wayne is, so it won't matter if I'm off. But John, John kind of walked like this. You know. Manly walk, you know. So John Wayne is, walks out to Bobby Vinton and says, How's it going, Pilgrim? You know, he didn't really say Pilgrim, but he said that in one of his movies. So you kind of add that to whenever John Wayne talks. You know, how's it going, Pilgrim? He says, "Well, Bobby Benton is laying down with his rifle, and he says, I'm kind of scared. I, I don't know if, if when the fighting runs, I'll be, uh, I'll be, I'll be run. When the fighting starts, I'll take off." He says, "No, you won't." He says. <clears throat> He says, you want because you're the kind of man that just gets right back up every time he falls down. <laughs> so that was proper. Now you know why I try to. Uh, 2416. 24-17. Rejoice not at the calamity or the fall of your enemy. That's why. That's one of those verses that says, guys, why? Because you and I, you and I, don't wrestle against flesh and blood. That's, that's, that's what it says. Wrestle not against flesh and blood. But Romans 13 says that uh, we have magistrates that are servants of God. <clears throat> you know, once uh, I uh, shared what I'm going to share with you, and I just want you to know if you're the kind of person that is not going to like what I say. I already shared this one other time before and got a very nasty letter about it. So you're already covered. Okay. But there was this congressman one time, a, a Christian. And I heard him talking about uh, the purpose of 
civil government. Incidentally, this congressman had a plane that was shot down over Russia. Shot down. And they said it was an accident. Well, uh, if you're kind of, if you lean a little bit towards being a conspiracy theory, in this particular case, I am. I don't think it was any accident. I think think they shot it down because he was on it. But he's a Christian, but he believed that it was the purpose of civil government to protect its people. So, though we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, our civil authorities, uh, the police department, and our armies and navies and so forth, and uh, Air Force and Marines, they do wrestle against flesh and blood. That's, that's what they're there for. That's what it even says in Romans 13. It says, Romans, uh, that, that uh, they are, and they say, ministers of God. So I want you to know that we, though we don't, they do. But we don't. Our enemies are not radical Muslims. Our enemies are not. Do you know who your enemy is? And it's right up here. Right up there. That's where your battle is. How can we win the world for Christ if we're all battling up here? Because, see, we get this thing right. We can then... You know, there was a song by uh, the Beatles Revolution one time. And there's a lot, a lot of worldly songs that can be very truthful, but it was talk about you say, you want a revolution, oh yeah, we all want to change the world. Don't we want to change the world? But you know what the bottom line is, is before you can go out there and free the world, you better free your mind instead. Now, I have serious doubts about what John Lennon's interpretation of that was freeing your mind but it's true not his interpretation I don't know what it is but I have some doubts about the, he and his vision of freeing your mind and mind is probably two different ways but it's still true this is where your battle is that's what that says the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly we don't use guns We don't use hand grenades, weapons. We use spiritual weapons. But they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, vain imaginations, and bringing every thought into subjection, obedience of Christ. That's what God wants. You know, it says, um, one of my favorite verses is, the glory of God was made flesh. Again, not sinful flesh, but in the body, in a body. The glory of God was made flesh. How so? Well, we just celebrated his birthday. It's like one person says, best you can guess is his birthday was probably actually in October but we celebrated on December 25th. 
but the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. And he goes on to say, And as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God. Actually, children of God. That's what it says. Literal. To become the children of God. That word power is the Greek word exousia. We get our English word executive from it. It means authority. But as many as received him, to them gave he the authority to be a child of God. But then he tells them later on, I just quoted a verse a while ago, it's expedient that I go. That's uh, John 16, verse 7. It's expedient that I go away. For if I go, I send you a comforter, the comforter. And you know who the comfort is? The Holy Spirit. It says the Holy Spirit. It says that will through you. I'm adding that in there, but that's what it means. That the Holy Spirit, I'm sending him to you. That the Holy Spirit may reprove the world of sin, righteousness and judgment. Of sin, because they don't believe, they didn't believe on me. Of righteousness, because I go to be with my Father. And of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. It's a little like Hebrews 1.13, which says, To which of the angels did God say at any time, Sit here at my right hand until I make thy enemies thy footstool? That's a little bit like it. The prince of this world is judged. That's also a quote from Psalm 1, uh, 110, verse 1, to which of the angels said he at any time, sit here at my right hand. Why does I say that? Because it says this. In Acts 1, he says, stay here until I send you the Holy Spirit. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you or come in you and fills you. Right. That you might be a witness, a testimony for me throughout uh, Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, and in, unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Now that word power, different Greek word, it's the Greek word dunamis, which means we get our word dynamite from. We shall receive dunamis. So when you receive Christ as your Lord, when you confess him to be your Lord, believe that God has raised him from the dead, you receive power to be born again, to become a child of God. That word power, executive, exousia, authority. But when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, comes later, right? can come right away, but it's later. You get dynamite. One, it's, it's like the difference. If you're a police officer, you got a badge. That gives you the authority. And if you're a, but if you give you a gun, <laughs> that's like the dynamite. <laughs> That's the power to exercise the authority. Okay, now I want to get back to what I said I was going to say. 
I said, share this thing that I heard and I agree with. I'm not going to pass it all off on him. This congressman, I cannot remember his name. I wasn't planning on sharing this, but I, I want to share it. And he gave a little message, and it was to the, the world, but it was to Christians also. That it is government's job. And by the way, just, a, just an added thing. You know, General Patton, who possibly, well, it's certainly one of the greatest generals that ever lived. Um, he told his men, do not hate your enemy. Don't kill the guy. He says, that's uh, just trying to, you know, just out there fighting to defend his country, what he believes. He says, don't kill him, don't hate him. But he also said, a hero isn't the guy that dies for his country. A hero is a guy that makes the other fellow die for his country. (laughs) So he also said that. But don't hate your enemies. So he even said that. But it's not our job to hate our enemies. You know why it's wrong to hate our enemies? Uh, It's because we don't realize that our enemy isn't out there. Our enemy is up here and is the devil. Amen. Uh, Revelation. Rakesh. Revelation, chapter 12, verse 9. 10, 11, and 12, 13, something like that. 10, 9 to 13. This is somewhat amazing because... <coughs> If you read Isaiah, the 14th chapter, you know that Satan rose up in heaven with a third of the angels. It says a third of the stars, a third of the angels in rebellion. And he was cast down to the earth. And this is like a second time that this is happening. It is so Familiar. It's so connecting. It's so uh, amazingly uh, parallel that you think maybe it's talking about the first time. But this second time. And it says, And the great dragon was cast out. That old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceived the whole world. So you see that this is after Adam's fall. You see what I'm saying? So, it happened before that, and it happens after. Now, this is a process that is ongoing. And he says, that old serpent called the devil, the devil, diabolos, in the Greek, It means the uh, false accuser of the false accuser. That's what it means. False accuser. Then it says, and Satan, same guy, serpent, dragon, 
Same guy. But Satan means adversary or true accuser. So, you know what? Usually the problem up here, the accusations which the enemy has to us, false, but there's probably some truth to it too. So it's got, carries both. So it says, Satan, which deceived the whole world, he was cast out into the earth. And his angels were cast out with him. So didn't that sound like the first time? There's going to be a second time. All right? That's in the future. Next verse. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. So you see that this is the second time. For the accuser of the brethren is cast down. Who accused them, which accused them before our God. And leave this up there for a minute. Before our God, day and night. He's relentless. He is accusing you. Where is this happening? Well, it's happening in heaven. It's happening up here. He can, he's out to get you. And it's the, you know, this is where the battle rages. You can, you, you get this, those, those towers cast down. You can, you're ready to change the whole world. But this is where it rages to start with. It says, uh, who accused them before God day and night. I was at a prophetic conference once. And our guest speaker was Rick Joyner. How many of you have heard of him? Okay, there's more than I thought there would be. There's probably about 10, 20, between 10 and 20 that held your hands up. Rick Joyner was a group of prophets. um, Morning Star prophets. And uh, Rick Joyner was a group with Francis Frankopane. How many of you remember him? Paul Kane, remember him? There were several others. So he was the guest speaker. And he said something like this, that the outside avenue by which those accusations come, by the devil up here, okay? There is an outside force that is at work. And so what he said was, is that Satan really doesn't have the right to stand before God. Now, I'm not sure where I fall on this, except in a kind of a uh, general sense. I understand what he's going, what I'm going to tell you what he said. I never did get around to tell you what that congressman said, did I? Well, I'll just tell you. In order to do this, I have to go by memory and I'm going to have to have some help here. It was all about we the people of the United States of America in order to form a more perfect union 
Okay. What's the, what's the list here? Establish justice. What's the, in Romans 13, it says, what does it say? That the purpose of the ministers, the police, our armies, is to uh, reward or uh, punish wickedness or unrighteousness and to reward righteousness. Establish justice. Ensure domestic tranquility. So that's both outside. Uh, established justice. Domestic is our police department, right? Tranquility. We are be tranquil because we have laws that watch over us. Somebody say amen if you think I'm... Well, I want to know how many nasty letters I'm going to get. Haven't got to the part yet that really, really grated on this one person. Establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, uh, provide for the common defense. See? Now, what's the purpose of our Constitution? What's the purpose? What's we, the people of the United States of America, in order to uh, form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare. So the first responsibility of our government is tranquility and to provide for the common defense. So our government and our tax dollars is to go for our armed service, our police department and our arms or our fire department. Everybody say, am I saying this? All right. Promote the general welfare. That comes after. Now, if you want to know what the person said, that it was because this person was giving a, a step-by-step list in order of importance that the first thing was to provide for common defense and then promote the general welfare. Where some people would reverse those. Would do the general welfare first and then provide for the common defense. And then it goes on. And that's what he was talking about. And so our government is to provide for the common defense. And uh, we just have to pray for them. That's what it says in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2. Pray for our government so that we can live a, a peaceable life. Okay? But we have a war going on. And our war isn't necessarily their war. Their war is under them. We pray for them. All right? We've got to pray for them. But our war is up here. Our war is up here. So, what did Rick Joyner say? Rick Joyner said this. That Satan really doesn't have any access into heaven by which to bring these accusations. All right? So he brings them up here, but he brings them primarily through people. You see, people are not our enemies. The devil is our enemy. 
the false accuser, the true accuser. No, the devil is our enemy. Just like when Paul said there was a messenger that was sent from Satan to buffet him. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm not going to take the time to tell you and show you, but I could show you that there was a demon that was bringing this attack on him. But do you know who was being used by the demon to bring this attack on him? The church at Corinth. People. Because they didn't respect him. And we are all guilty of being a mouthpiece for Satan to bring accusations against people. To be, you know, to... Amen? So it says we have towers up here. How do we defeat those towers? There is one of two ways that will work. This would would be it. You can do what I'm going to tell you to do. Or you can change everybody else in the world. (laughs) Did you know that's true? You want to have victory? That's That's the two ways. Change everybody else? You know? I don't know how many times I thought, I must be from another planet. <laughs> I, just, I just don't get people sometimes. Or Bob Mumford used to say, there's only one problem with the church. <laughs> it's people. Yeah. It's us. Yes. And, and I know some of you haven't heard this, but those. One guy, some of you, a lot of you have heard it, but this, this one guy's going home and he tells his wife, I ain't never going back to that church. They don't like me. I don't like them. I can't, I, I've had it. She says, now you know we'll go back. Give me one good reason why I should. Well, I'll give you two good reasons. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, what are the two good reasons then? Well, you're a bigger man than that. Well, uh, yeah, oh, well I, I'm not so sure about that. <laughs> well, what's the other good reason? He says, you're the pastor. You have to go back. <laughs> I don't know how many times this has happened. <laughs> I can tell you, and not, not a few. <laughs> change everybody else? Or let God change you? Hello? How do we do that? Well, there's many, many weapons, but we're going to talk about a couple that are really powerful here. Next verse. And they overcame him. That means the accuser of the brethren by the blood of the lamb. See? What does the blood of the lamb do? Well, the blood of the lamb cleanses us from every sin past, every sin present present and every sin future the blood of the lamb but it's not just the blood of the lamb 
They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Let me tell you what a testimony is. A testimony basically is saying God is good, God loves me, and he is right, he is, keeps his word, he keeps his promises. How many of you like the verse of scripture, the joy of the Lord is your strength? Yeah. How about this one? The joy, oh, let's look at this. First Peter chapter one, we'll start with the third verse. Read this real quick. How'd you like to have joy unspeakable and full of glory? How'd you like to have that? Joy unspeakable and it's joy unspeakable and full. Of, you know what unspeakable means? It's just, it's just, you really can't describe it. Or it's so much, it's way beyond description. That's what it actually means. Look, many translations says indescribable instead of unspeakable. Uh, verse 3. To, well, let's go to verse 4. I don't want to get trapped into that one. Verse 4. To an inheritance, incorruptible, undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than that of gold, than gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. This is the last one we're going to look at. Whom having not seen. You remember I was talking last week about blessed are they that believe because they've seen, but more blessed are they that believe and have not seen? Right? Listen to this. Whom having not seen, you loved. This is Jesus. You haven't seen him, but you still love him. That's more blessed than having seen him and loving him. All right? In whom, though you have not seen, yet believing. You believe. Faith is stronger than knowing. All right? You rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Do you see that? All right. We'll go back to Revelation. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. The testimony is God loves me. That is the testimony of God. God loves me. God died for me. God's word is true. What are the trying of your faith? Is when the devil says, that's not true. God lied. Whatever he said, that was wrong. No. What we do, casting down imaginations, is when we take the weapons of God, the blood of Jesus Christ, first line of our weapons, The second line 
our testimony, the testimony of praise and worship, praising his name. You worship him. Remember when I said, there's no problem you can't praise yourself yourself through when you're not praising yourself, but you cannot get yourself through it praising the Lord. Praising the name of Jesus Christ. Worshiping him. Praising him. The weapons uh, are not carnal, not fleshly, but uh, the weapons of God is having your loins girt about with truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. The truth is the best line of defense against the lies of the devil. The truth, God's word. Now, I will close with this. Last, two Sundays ago, I was talking about the only real book that a watchman he actually wrote with his hands. In other words, he, uh, all the other books, it says it's by Watchman Nee. It was by him, but it wasn't something that he actually wrote. He wrote one book called The Spiritual Man. And The Spiritual Man is about how in the beginning, Adam was, God breathed in him the breath of life and he became a living soul. So originally, the idea was, is God wanted a man, a woman, that had the breath of life in him and through the soul he could contact the physical realm in the world. But when he sinned, he became a soulish man instead of a spiritual man. And so what happened, he says, in that day you shall surely die. But everybody said, well, he didn't die in that day. Yes, he did. Because death isn't no longer breathing or no longer in, you know, in this... Uh, this body begins to rot in the grave because I die. That isn't true death. True death is to be separated from God. And so when Adam sinned, God separated his spirit from him. And so Adam is now not a spiritual man, but a soulish man. And so God had a way to undo what Adam did. And that was through his giving of his son. So when we get born again, we get born of the spirit. What happens is, is we as man sinned against God. God separated from us. It wasn't that our spirit no longer existed. It still existed. But it was dead because it was separated from God. Okay, And so now God has to restore that. And the first thing that happens is we get born of the Spirit, born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the Word of God, which lives and abides forever. The Spirit is now connected back to God. There's only one thing. Now the thing which God originally wanted to rule the world through which was the soul, the mind, the will, the, elect, the intellect, the, the emotions, that the seed of the soul. God wanted to rule the world by the Spirit, through the soul. There's a problem now. He, he restored the Spirit. The problem is the soul. It's called the old man. The old man is like the world. 
So in order for God to rule man through the Spirit and man be led by the Spirit, he has to get a problem solved in the soul, and it's called the mind. Be not conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So when your mind is, how is it renewed? By the Word of God. Basically, what you have to do is you have to start learning how to speak God again. Speak spirit. See, because you lost it. You lost control. We lost control. So now we have to learn the language again. We have to know spirit. So when the spirit leads us, we have to know the word of God. So when the spirit leads us, we're spirit led. And when we're spirit led, here is the irony. The greatest of all ironies is that Satan is a great adversary, is the great accuser of the brethren who is accusing us before God day and night relentlessly. He is judging us. People are used, we're used by Satan to judge other people. Hello? But Paul says, my grace is sufficient for, for, Paul said, God said, my grace is sufficient for you. Now, here's the irony. You see, Satan is accusing us before God. What, what is that? When he talks about an adversary and accuser and everything, what are we talking about? Courts, right? Justice system. And Satan is accusing us, accusing us before God day and night. Here's the irony that you and I are the ones that are going to be in a court. Because we're going to cast out Satan. <laughs> we're the ones that are going to cast him out of heaven. <laughs> that are accusing us metaphorically. See, the old uh, adversary, see, we become his adversary. <laughs> the, old, the old prosecuting lawyer that is accusing us before God. We're going to be the prosecuting lawyers. <laughs> We're going to be the judges. We're going to be the jury. That's what it's all about, turning it all around. And it all happens up here. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord. Oh, there's so many ways that Satan accuses us through trials and tribulations and persecutions and even close friends, even close relatives. We are all been guilty of hurting somebody sometime. And, uh, but we have weapons that we can cast down these Accusations. The blood of Jesus, hallelujah, working day and night, every second, every minute, every hour, every, all day, never failing. We are being washed in his blood. But we also have the word of our testimonies. Lord, may we keep our testimony intact. That you are God. That you are the truth. You are the way, the truth, and the life. 
No man comes to you but by you. Hallelujah. That includes us. The only way we can come to you is through Christ. Hallelujah. In Jesus' precious, wonderful name.